It's a joy to be here with you. And I uh, wanted to recognize that Heather Heising is here as well. We were just in Columbus, south of here, for the RPGM board meeting with Don, uh, Dean Filson, also a member of the board there. And so we're very grateful that we can worship with you here this morning. And I want to share with you, truly, that uh, you are dear to me. I know uh, a few of you, but as a church, you are very dear to me because you have sent out those beloved people in South Sudan, Central Asia, and South Asia. Those people are very dear to me. And so you are a church, a truly a missionary church, sending missionaries. And for that, I am so grateful to God for you. I'm actually not going to be bringing a message on missions. Maybe you expect that. Um, but it's, it's another message that I hope will be an encouragement to you. If you'll turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to be reading from verse 12 to verse 24. The verses that we're looking at here this morning are verses 16 to 18. But beginning the reading of God's word from verse 12. Are you ready to receive this Not a word of man, but the very word of the true and living God. Please give your attention. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, Be patient with them all. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. And so as the reading of God's word, God's will for us. I wonder how many of you have memorized some verses in the Bible. And I want to say to those who have maybe are new to the Bible and you haven't memorized any verses from the Bible, I challenge you this morning that in the next 30 minutes, that the three verses that you heard here, verse 16, 17, 18, that you will memorize these verses by the time you leave here. And I'll prove it to you. It's a guarantee uh, through a system that is well known and it's very simple. And that to memorize scripture, you have to first review. And the second is review. And the third is review. That's that's all it takes. And we're going to review this not a hundred times, but about... Ten times throughout this message, and I believe 
you will leave here knowing these verses. I, I preached this message in Ottawa, Canada, and a new believer says, now I know three verses from the Bible. So you can, you can memorize this too. What are these verses? Verses 16, 17, 18, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, when we talk about God's will, as it's mentioned here, there's there's a little bit of confusion about God's will because sometimes when people pray to know God's will, they think of those things that are not revealed yet to us, his decree. It's not known what the future holds. But this aspect of God's will here is what has been revealed to us, his precepts, his commands. And what is that? To rejoice always, Pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is this. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus, or in Christ Jesus for you. Now, to help you understand this and clarify this confusion when you might think, what is God's will for me? I would like to take you on a yellow bus, if I could, transport you to Gatineau Park, which is really close to where I live, and I go there a lot. It's a beautiful, huge park, rolling hills, and if we're in this bus together, you know that when you're on this beautiful road, weaving through this forest, this park, that you are going to be on track. You're in the right way as long as you're on the road, but you don't know what is around the corner. That's unknown to you, but what you know is right before you, and that is the same for you. You want to know what God's will is for you? It's in these words. It's just an aspect of it. Much of God's word reveals his will to you, but right here, much, a big part of his will for you is that you would rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the way in which you can walk. Now, I wonder if you understand these commands in such a way that they need to be understood. Just as Paul puts these commands at the very end of his letter. Let's go back to the beginning of his letter because this is the foundation where he begins his letter explaining to the church in Thessalonica all that had happened in their lives when he came to them with the word of God, the gospel of God. How did they respond to this gospel? First of all, he gives thanks for them and he prays, continuing to pray for them because he remembers how they responded to the gospel of God. They received it not as the words of men, but as the very word of God. And when they did they were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. They believed this message of the gospel and they turned to God from idols to the true and living God. And I wonder if that is what's happened in your life. You might think, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm a Christian. I come to church. But are you like these believers in Thessalonica where the Apostle Paul says that they are 
in Christ. The foundation of their lives is in Christ. And in that place, they're ready to hear these commands. You have the indicatives as the foundation in Christ, their status, their position in Christ. And now they're ready to receive these exhortations, these commands. So this is a message for you who are Christians. But if you're not a Christian yet, it's simple. You believe in this gospel of God. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you are in Christ, ready to receive these commands, knowing how to live your life according to the will of God. So are we ready to hear these commands? You want to know what God's will is? Let's first begin in verse 16. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Now, Paul is not saying, don't worry be happy. It's not about happiness. This is about joy. Joy in the Holy Spirit. A life that is in Christ will bear fruit. And there's a cluster of fruit. And one of the, on the clusters of this fruit of the Holy Spirit is joy. That's what comes out of a life, a fruit-bearing life in a Christian. It's joy. And Jesus spoke of that fruit-bearing life in a Christian, that if anyone is abiding in him, they will bear fruit by him. John 15, if you know that passage. And at the end of that passage, in verse 11, John 15, he says, These things I have said to you, that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be full. That's his will for you is that his joy would be in you and that it would be in fullness of joy. There is a philosopher, I'm sure if you're a parent, you know about him, the great Dr. Zeus. We would read those cardboard books to our kids. And as we're flipping the pages of this one book that I love, it's called My Many Colored Days. And we will be on a blue day or a yellow day. When we come to the brown day, it says some days I feel sort of brown. Children, do you understand that? Sometimes you feel a little brown. It says I feel slow, low, low down. Well, sometimes that's where we find ourselves. Sometimes it's physical. It's affecting us whether we're not eating well, sleeping well, or whatever it is. Physically, we don't feel very well. We feel low. That affects our spirit, doesn't it? Our souls. But is that where we are to stay? Even if we are going through trials of physical natures, or going through a valley, a drought, are we to stay there? It says God's will for you is rejoice always. Always, even there, in that place. What does Paul say to the church in Philippi? It, the whole theme of this letter is, is joy. He says, rejoice always. And again, to make his point, rejoice. It's there in the Bible. Rejoice always. And I have that in my mind when I am low. I am to rejoice. I remember cycling from my hut in South Sudan to the place where I would do training, and sometimes I would feel low, and I would have the song that 
my kids would be listening to over and over from Steve Green, from Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22. It says, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. And I would, just in singing that song, reminding myself that I am to rejoice always, I would be lifted up. Rejoice always. Now you may think, how am I going to rejoice where I am now? You don't understand where I'm at. And yet here is the will of God for you. Rejoice in that, where you are. What does James say? Consider it pure joy when you experience trials of many kinds. And they will come of very kinds in your, in your lives, just as you may be going through a trial right now. And to understand how to rejoice in those trials, you need to understand the purpose that God has for you. What is it? To produce steadfastness. And when steadfastness has produced its full result, it's so that you would be perfect, mature, lacking in nothing. You've been hearing from the book of preaching from Romans. Romans chapter 5. Paul speaks of this rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. That's the height of rejoicing. But he says not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, in the depths. We there are rejoicing. And what's the purpose? It's so that we would arise. Because suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And that hope does not put us to shame. You see the purpose? And so that in the midst of knowing God is at work, we can rejoice. Always. That's what we see. Firstly, in God's will for us. How can we do this? We all have to look to Jesus. Because here's one who is perfect in this obedience to this command, to God's will. Here was a man like us. We were born in this world. He was also born in this world. What did the angels say to the shepherds at his birth? Pronouncing to, the she- to them, we bring you good news of great joy. For a Savior has been born, Christ the Lord. And this one, who started off as a baby, grew up as a man. And what is he called by the prophet Isaiah? A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And yet here is a man who rejoiced always, even when he looked to the suffering of the cross. The writer to the Hebrews said, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. So we have Jesus to consider and how when he suffered, when he knew sorrow, knew grief, He experienced all that we've experienced, and yet he was able to rejoice always. Now you say, well, that's Jesus. 
He's the God-man. What about us? How am I going to rejoice always? We can look at Paul. He was a man like us. As sorrowful, it says, he says, yet rejoicing. So, we can do this. How? Looking onto Jesus, who is our hope. That's where Paul can say, in Romans chapter 12, verse 12, rejoice in hope, that hope that is in Jesus. Be constant, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. So we come to the second. In verse 17, the will of God, what's the will of God for you? Well, first of all, rejoice always. Are you reviewing these? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's look at pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Pray at all times. Pray constantly. You may start wondering, does that mean pray 24-7? Well, again, Jesus kept this perfectly. If we look at his life, how did he pray without ceasing? Jesus slept. Jesus sometimes prayed through the night, but in the morning, uh, he was surrounded by the crowds that he preached to and he was so tired at times you find him sleeping in the boat in the midst of a storm. So what does it look like even if we look at Jesus and how he prayed without ceasing for our lives, what does it mean to pray without ceasing? I looked at some commentaries, found some phrases that were helpful. Praying without ceasing is a, a conscious dependence on God. A conscious dependence upon God. Or I found another one, a continual personal fellowship with God. Or another one said, a constant awareness of God's presence. Praying without ceasing. Well, now, of course, we want to see what the scriptures say. We're, We're still trying to describe and define. And so here it would be, Ways in which, from the Bible, we can try to define this phrase here, this command, pray without ceasing. First of all, the use of this phrase, pray without ceasing, we find that word used in chapter 1, verse 2 of this letter. Where Paul says, constantly, I am praying for you. I'm always praying for you. Does that mean he was in Throughout his days, he was just constantly praying for the church in Thessalonica. No, it speaks of regularity. In his prayers, he's always including, as he prays for all the churches, he's including regularly prayers for the church in Thessalonica. Secondly, we can see from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 and 19, we have this passage here of how to wage spiritual warfare and putting on the armor of God. And one of the the weapons that we we use is prayer. So praying at all times in the spirit to that end, keep alert, keep watchful with all perseverance as we make supplication for the saints. So this idea of alertness, of watchfulness is part of praying without ceasing. And then finally, even as was mentioned there, is praying with perseverance. 
Jesus told a parable of this widow who was going to a judge and was coming to him again and again and again with perseverance until she got justice. And Jesus says from this parable, it illustrates how we ought to pray and not give up, not lose heart in our prayers, but persevere in our prayers. So regularity, alertness, and perseverance, praying without ceasing, as we're seeking to define what that means. Now you might wonder, how do I practically do this in my life? Are you like me? I will get into the posture of prayer, my knees or whatever that is. I try to remove all the distractions away when I seek to pray. And yet my mind will go in all these different directions. Sometimes I'm thinking about good things. But a lot of times my mind goes so quickly to things that are sinful. Thoughts of jealousy, envy, covetousness, lust. Does that happen to you? Even when you're doing the most spiritual thing that you could be doing, praying to God in heaven, and yet your mind is going down. When I think of this, I think it's a matter of our thoughts, of focusing our thoughts. Because if our thoughts, as Paul says to the church in Colossae, to be our heavenward, then our th- prayers will be lifted up to God in heaven. What does he say? Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. If we've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things on the earth. Where are your thoughts when you pray? Focus them, align them to be directed to God in heaven. Rally those thoughts in so that you can be focused and praying to your Father in heaven. This is praying without ceasing. And does that look like being kneeling in that position throughout the day? No, it's obviously going to be prayers that you lift up to God throughout your day, whatever you're doing. It's this direction of thoughts, lifting up your heart, pouring out your heart to him throughout your days, your waking days. Your thoughts need to be directed to him. So when you find your thoughts going astray, bring them back. What does Paul say in in Philippians chapter four, verse eight? He says, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think upon those things. And then your thoughts will be directed toward God. And your prayers lifted up to Him. Prayer without ceasing, with the focus of our thinking our thoughts upon him. And as it says in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer. This is praying without ceasing. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And that's the third 
point we're going to see about God's will for you is giving thanks in all circumstances. First of all, again, rejoice always, praying without ceasing. Are you reviewing here? Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances. Giving thanks. That is a mark of a Christian. We, Christians, should be the most thankful people in the world. It should flow from our lives, this thanksgiving. It's, it's one of those marks, and I want to give you, uh, as we look at this one mark of a Christian, three aspects that we see in the life of a Christian. The first is that it's an essential part of our lives in Christ, looking to God, our Father, that we give thanks to Him in all things. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says, whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Giving thanks. Whether you are speaking the words, thanks, or you, whatever you're doing, it's an act of giving thanks, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. That is giving thanks as a mark of a Christian. Another aspect of being Christians as we gather together corporately is in our worship. We give thanks. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19 to 20, it says that we are to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. This is saying the Psalter. We are to speak from the psalms. As we sing it, making melody in our hearts to, to Him, giving thanks always and at all times unto God and through Jesus Christ. It's giving thanks as we sing those psalms, as we come together. It's an element of our worship. It's giving thanks corporately. As a mark of Christians, we are people who give thanks. And then finally, as another mark here, is we give thanks as individuals when we recognize that we, as all people, carry burdens that bring anxiety into our lives, and that when we pray, with thanksgiving, something happens. Our prayer is an outlet. Because Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, if you know that verse, those verses, be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, what? With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Then what happens? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The greatest antidote for our anxieties is praying with thanksgiving. Do you forget sometimes the thanksgiving part in your prayers? You just pour out your heart to Him with your anxieties and your worries? Give thanks. Give thanks with your prayers. Some of you may be in, in a place where you're counseling others, or you need to counsel yourself with your anxieties and worries. One thing that I encourage people to do when I sit with them and they're just pouring out their hearts and their worries and their burdens and I say, stop for a moment. Let's pray and let's count our blessings one by one for all that the Lord has done. And you will see those anxieties, those worries begin to dissipate. 
the antidote for your worries is giving thanks. But you may say, in all circumstances, how can I give thanks in all circumstances? There are some circumstances that maybe you're going through right now and you think, how on earth? This is so bad. This is so hard. I am really struggling here. How am I going to give thanks to God in this circumstance? And yet, notice the words. It says, in all circumstances, we are to give thanks to God as a command. What we give, get perspective. We need to see the vantage point that God has in our circumstances. As he looks down from his place on his throne as the sovereign Lord of heaven and earth, he sees us struggling, and yet he is in his holy, wise providence working all things out for your good. He's working it all together. He's seeing you through this as you look to him and as you give thanks to him, showing his sovereign control of not only you, but the circumstance that he is allowing you to go through so that you can give thanks to him, knowing that he is good. He's going to work it out for good because you're called according to his purpose and you love God and he's conforming you to the image of his son. Those are the things you think of in your circumstances to allow you, to enable you to give thanks in all circumstances. Now you may still say one more thing. One more thing. What about this? What about giving thanks when I know my own heart? When I know what dwells within And I know when Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? You understand very well indwelling sin and the struggle within. How can you give thanks in all circumstances? Well, Paul says, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we can give thanks. Because he has, you who are in Christ, has delivered you from your sin. He's redeemed you so that you are enabled more and more to do his will. You can more and more as God is working in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. You can, when you consider Jesus, when you look at the imperfections in you, you're looking at Jesus and his perfections. He rejoiced always. He prayed without ceasing. He gave thanks in all circumstances. He did the will of God for you. He did it in your place. When you fail to do the will of God. And so you can more and more by the power of the Holy Spirit working in you and his grace 
as you are rooted and grounded in Christ, the natural overflow of that union, that vital relationship with Jesus Christ is going to be this fruit of rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances. Are you ready to say this, not just as a scripture memory, because that will not save you. Even doing these things will not save you. It does not make you a Christian by doing these things. But if you are a Christian and believing in Jesus Christ, repenting of your failure to do these things, you can say these things, you've hidden them in your heart as scripture memory, reminding yourself to do them by the grace of God. You ready to say it? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's pray. Oh God, our Father, in and through the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we thank you that you have delivered us from sin. You have brought us out of this worshiping of idols to serve you, the true and living God, in order now to do your will. And this aspect of your will to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks in all circumstances. Enable us more and more to do your will to the praise of your glorious grace. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.